0: Hello and welcome
1: back to BS Rugby in the Six Nations is just a few days away and the excitement is certainly building. Welcome to part two of our six part series as we take a look and a deep dive at each nation in the Six Nations. We of course yesterday had England, but today we are focusing on Scotland. If you do go on to enjoy this, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a like and get your predictions for how you think the Scots are going to do this year. I was joined by Dan from the fantastic Facebook group, Stuck in the Scrum. As always, make sure to check them out. Link in the description down below. If you'd like to listen to the audio version of this, you can do that. There's a link down below, which will take you to the Breakdown podcast. And each of the episodes of this series will be released there before the video. So if you want to listen to it before it comes out on video, you can do that. Without further ado, though, let's get into it. So let's start with last year's Six Nations finishing Mm -hmm. fourth. But that doesn't really tell the tale of last year's Six Nations. As I said to you just before we started to record, there was only one point between Scotland in fourth and France in second. And there were some really good results along the way. I mean, beating England at Twickenham for the first time in 20-odd years, beating France away in Paris in the last minute of the game, and also uh, hammering Italy as well looking back at that six nations do you see that six nations having been a positive time or do you think there was a missed opportunity maybe
0: yes and no i mean um scotland fans will definitely see that one as the six nations that got away from them um i mean we lost two games going into we lost to wales by a point and we lost to ireland by three points Now i mean the going back on the two games we lost i think we should have beaten wales um we were i think if, I'm, if memory says we me correct we were like 17 or 20 to three up at one stage and we essentially threw it away wales had a great comeback we got man sent off um you can't be that far ahead and lose a game um wireland i think the scoreline probably the opposite probably slightly flattered us um we did only lose by three points but I think Ireland were the better side on that day. Um England, I mean, I know what was it, 11 6 in the end. Um, but if you watched the game, the that it wasn't reflective of the game. Scotland were completely dominant against England that game. Um, so yeah, I think we'll see that as the one that got away from us. Um but no, we we, we think positive where we came that on paper it's the best ever six nations and we only finished fourth mm. that we were arguably a penalty kick away from winning it mm. um I, I I'd have to look at the table again but I think if we hadn't lost that game to Wales Scotland would have won the six nations that year
1: yeah you would have because obviously we beat you we finished on 20 Wales uh France were on um I want to say 18 and then Scotland. Um, were on 17 or something like that. So it was a really, really close competition. And really, there were probably four teams that felt like they could have probably won the Six Nations last year. And I think we're going to see something similar uh, this year. And then obviously, we had the Autumn Nations series this autumn. Uh, Scotland played four games, beating Tonga, 60 points to 14. Obviously, a very weakened Tonga side, beating Australia, 15 points to 13, losing against South Africa, 15 points to 30 and then beating Japan by 29 points to 20. I felt for me personally with that one, that the result against Australia was one way you had to dig deep to fight, you had to kind of grind through the game to get there. And then South Africa for me felt like to no disrespect to Scotland, but you could see the golfing class. You could see the gap. You could see that South Africa were this world-class side and Scotland were just on that level below. I don't know how you would have assessed the autumn as a whole. Did you feel there was progress or, again, maybe a missed opportunity?
0: Uh, Personally, I I never look too far into the autumn. I mean, going into it, look, we've got three out of four, which is really, really good. But I think Tom English put it best. The autumn internationals is peacetime rugby. Um, The form very, very rarely translates into competitions, whether it be the World Cup or the Six Nations. There's a lot of experiment in, there's not the same amount on the line, um, the same intensity isn't there. Um for Scotland's tactics going into it. I mean, with the Tonga game, Tonga were forced to play a far weakened side. I mean, the gulf between Tonga and Scotland is already big enough as it is. In Tonga were playing with one hand tied behind their back. Um uh so that was it was a training match. Um I think it was really more done to get Tonga payday more than anything. Um with the Australia game, that could have went either way. Um he clearly experimented in the Japan game, and also we were we were well beaten by South Africa. But my frustration personally with these games was um I felt like that Scotland tried to play to south africa's game plan or australia's game plan especially in the big games instead of playing to their own um was my takeaway you see these big teams go south africa the all blacks when they go about even england they don't really adapt their game plan much to to suit these other teams they go no we know what works we know we play these teams are going to have to adapt to us and i think scotland Need to have more faith in their own game plan instead of trying to play a game that doesn't suit them just because they think it might counter the opposition.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you have to believe in your philosophy the way that you want to play. I was speaking to an England fan beforehand and speaking about how will England look to attack the Scotland team. We'll go through the fixtures in a little bit, but you know, how are England going to attack the Scotland team? Are they going to look to be brutal? to be physical, try and dominate that way, or they're going to look to spread the ball about, which maybe plays into the hands of uh, Scotland that little bit. Um, But I think that comes with the maturity of a squad as a squad develops, as it grows, as they really begin to understand how the system works and each role in it. I think that will slowly um, begin to come together. And let's have a look at the squad. There are some big-name absentees in there, which we'll get into. I'll put it up on the screen. We're not going to go through each name. Okay. But... You know, obviously, of course, Stuart Hogg is captain. Uh, he's been captain now for over a year. Um, but there are some players coming back. Uh, Cameron Redpath is back after a long time out uh, with injury. Um, we have also got Ben Velikot in there from Edinburgh, who's been absolutely insane in the URC this season. Um, and there will be new caps to Andy Christie from Sarries, Kyle Rowe from London Irish and Rory Dodge from the Glasgow Warriors. Uh, looking at that squad, Dan, what do you make of that squad? Are you fairly happy with it, or what are you thinking?
0: Well, it's a Townsend squad. Mm. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Every single Six Nations, every squad announcement, there's always at least one or two players in there that he's gone there to surprise you. Um, I think Townsend still doing a little bit of shopping. I mean, obviously the Andy Christie wasn't expecting to see him in there. Uh, He wasn't even on my radar for someone that can be legible to play for Scotland. Um, So I mean, there's some other people that I'm really happy to see, like Rory Darge. We never got to see him in the autumn. He's been on fantastic form uh, at the moment. He's just he he seems to have come out of nowhere. Uh, I think he'll get a couple of games in the Six Nations. Um, Magnus Bradbury, he is. He's just turned it on. And he is looking <laughs> like a world-class. He's tearing apart the URC at the moment. And he's in a huge of momentum, and I hope he can carry that over. And we still have some of our big-name players, you know, your Duhan van de Merver, Stuart Hogg, Ali Price, um, Pierre Schumann, Xander Fagerson, Johnny Gray. There's, there's a lot of big names in there. Um, the one I don't get is Hastings. But <laughs> um, I think... Hastings and Ollie Kebble were the two that um shocked me I think I'll go into Kebble first mm. <laughs> I'll leave the big one to the end but um <laughs> Scotland have so much depth now in every single position um apart from <laughs> apart from tighthead and I mean after Xander I they don't have much underneath there uh, Ollie Keble uh I know he does usually play in the loose but um you can't play tight head why he isn't in there, I've no idea. Uh, who's the Scarlet's boy? I can't, can't even, Sebastian. Um, I don't think he even gets a starting game for the Scarlet's half the time. No,
1: he doesn't. He doesn't, no. Uh,
0: I, I, I see WP Nell in there, mm. and he's not going to be part of the World Cup squad, and I can only guess he's there for experience. He's rather mm. to show the boys in the camp, or he's just going to be the bench option to be brought on, you know, after 50, 60 minutes, and Xander starts to tire. Um, and he has that experience to see up games So I'm really disappointed in that
1: um, Before we jump on to the Adam Hastings bit yeah. um, Obviously I just quickly did some research beforehand About what Townsend had said about the reasons behind it I thought I'd read it to you and get your thoughts on it um, Because yeah. it's quite interesting on what he had to say um, he's, This is what he said that when the squad was announced said in terms of where we are we believe we have a really strong squad uh, competition for places has been excellent and we have a lot of players who are fit with the players we have and the experience of this group has gone through this is a big opportunity for us he then said um on red path coming back he said managed to get uh, red path managed to get a game under his belt prior to the squad selection so we'll see how he performs for bath in our training over the next couple of weeks and then on hastings said adam is unlucky he just missed out at the moment we feel blair kinghorn and Finn are playing better. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about um, Kinghorn playing at 10. A lot of people not sold on it, but Edinburgh have been doing really well this season with Kinghorn playing at 10. The Argentinian Buffelli is playing at fullback. back yeah. um, I think Buffelli, yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on Adam Hastings? Because I was really surprised to see that.
0: I've, I've had two thoughts on this. Um, Rather... uh He's playing some sort of mind game because we all know that Gregor Townsend loves the mind game and he'll bring him into the squad a couple of days before the England game. It's There's something personal going on underneath the radar that we don't know. And I'd like to say that Gregor's calm and above it. but We've seen he exiled Finn Russell for from the squad before. There's no reason he can't do it for Hastings. I mean, Hastings has been on fire down in the English Premiership. I know he got off to a rocky start for his first game or two. But ever since then, he's, he's been on fire for them. He's, he's been pivotal to Gloucester season. And Gloucester are, what, the, what, the third, fourth in the Premiership at the moment? They're doing really, really well. I My biggest fear is, all right, let me paint an image in your head. You're five minutes into the England game. Tom Curry smashes Finn Russell and he goes off injured. You then have Blair Kinghorn to play the next 75 minutes at 10. Um, don't get me wrong Kinghorn is a hugely talented player Um, I don't think Cockrell got the best out of him in Edinburgh it looks like Cockrell didn't get the best out of a lot of people at Edinburgh Um, and it seems from what I've heard in the Scottish rugby circles that Blair Kinghorn seems to be this extremely talented footballer that can, whatever he puts his mind to it, it just comes natural to him and this is, I can only go by what I've heard and what I've seen. Now, he has been playing very well in the URC, but with no disrespect to the, the teams he's come up against, Edinburgh haven't played any of the big guns in the URC yet. They've been playing almost at the cabin fodder of the URC most of the time. They've been Zebra, Benetton, um, <laughs> a lot of you know, just your really bottom end teams. And, um, he's not really been tested against anyone big. The only big name he did get, that Edward did get tested against really, has been the Saracens, and he didn't play at 10 that game. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know. Uh, I suspect Kinghorn to be in the squad. He's come on massively, and he's a great utility player. You can play in the wing, he can play 10, you can play fullback. I mean, he can even chop in at centre if need be. But by that same argument, so can Hastings, and Hastings is... Um, He's proven himself at a higher level than, than um, Kinghorn. Going forward into this, I mean, I was thinking, oh, after I saw formed form down at Gloucester, maybe Hastings will give Finn a run for his money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it shows what I know, right? Yeah.
1: I, the interesting thing with Kinghorn is I've always thought, as you said, he's a talented player. Uh, when he broke through, there was a lot of chatter about him. Was he going to play wing? Was he going to play fullback? I don't think it was ever really in the conversation that he would be stepping into the 10 jersey anytime soon. And Edinburgh have been fantastic in the URC this season. They've played some brilliant rugby under Mike Blair. Um, we'll get on to a few of their other players, I'm sure, soon. But, you know, is he really the answer at 10? I'm not sold on him at all. Um, Again, I don't think he has the control that someone like a Hastings would of a game. And I think that's something you can even say about uh, Finn Russell over the past, I would say, year, year and a half. You know, this title of he's a maverick, yes, is true. But I feel like his control and his understanding of when to do things has improved massively. So I'm not sure if Kinghorn is the right man for that.
0: Well, Kinghorn... He's. I think the way he plays 10 is the complete opposite to the way that Finn Russell goes um, Finn Russell's game he, he he's a better passer, he's a better kicker, his game management is unreal but um, for all the natural abilities remember Kinghorn's 6 foot 4 um, lean, full of muscle and, I mean he's a lot stronger than he looks, he's a strong boy he, he's fast, he's he's a running 10 and um, which is probably the one area of the game that Finn Russell is not I mean, he's great at intercept, but he's, he's not as, <laughs> not nearly as quick as what Kinghorn is, not nearly as strong. So, I mean, I can see Kinghorn coming on in the last 10, 15 minutes to, you know, run out of tired defence, especially if they need that other try, or if the, a team's, you know, on top of Finn and they've worked out his gameplay because it's so so different um i think that's probably why they've picked them and scotland probably have arguably one of the best backlines, or maybe the the best backline in the entire competition i mean i run through their backs um they probably start well price russell van de or um, you rather have Redpath or Sione, chris harris darcy graham stuart hogg um and depending on what game style you go their backline is strong enough to swap it just like that um, and change the game completely. So I always knew Kinghorn was going to be in it. I always suspected he'd be on the bench every match day because he does give that option just with his versatility. But um, I didn't expect Hastings to be dropped. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's a, it, it was quite a surprise for me as well, but uh, we'll see how he gets on. One other name I really wanted to mention was Ben velicott uh, We spoke, I'm pretty sure, before the autumn, saying that we think he should be in the squad. I mean, he's had an incredible start to the URC. I remember his first game against Scarlet. He was just everywhere, uh, causing so many issues. Um, he's an exciting option off the bench, isn't he? Ali Price, maybe not as sniping as attack-minded as a Velikov. will see the option to tap and go, and he mm-hmm. will go, won't he? He's an exciting player.
0: But it's, it's his running game. He's so, so fast. He's so quick. Um, he likes to pick and go a lot. Um, I don't think his box-kicking or his game management is as good as Ali Price's, but he does have that bit of flair. He brings that tempo. I think his... Um, as Ali Price has gotten older and he's gotten wiser, um, his tempo's come down slightly. Not that it's um, low or anything. I mean, to play it in a Townsend side, you have to be high tempo. And the, the very second that um, I saw him play his first game for Edinburgh, I was like, the, the first thought that came to my head, that's Townsend. <laughs> he's a, he's a Townsend scrum half. It's He's his type of player. Um, he loves fast, quick, snipey players and you could tell immediately that's why he'd been brought up from Wasps. It wasn't like, oh, he's a filler that was going to still try Wingland. Like, after seeing his first game, you knew why he was there. Um, that's all. I can't wait to see him in. I mm. think he'll, get, he'll definitely get a couple of games. Um, I think, obviously, once Scotland's seen out a game and they want to try rest some of their better players, I can see, you know, I think Villa will get the Italy game. Um, I think he'll mm. start the Italy game. He'll probably come on after, you know, 50, 60 minutes, most mm-hmm. other games for Price as well. Um, I was quite surprised that both um, the, the George Horn and Jamie Dobie didn't get picked. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting to think that George Horn's time with Scotland is done. If he wants another chance of, um playing for Scotland ever, I think he needs to leave Glasgow and maybe go down to England or go over to France. Because he's he's not in in their sights anymore.
1: Uh, let's have a look at through the, the fixtures because um, I think that the balance of which games you have is quite interesting. First of all, Calcutta Cup at Mowfield, uh-huh. uh, tea time kickoff. It's going to be an interesting one because last year, obviously Scotland went away to Twickenham. One, the scoreline really doesn't reflect the performance. Scotland was so dominant in uh, that one. How do you expect Scotland to go with this? Because you spoke about in the autumn, maybe they didn't stick to their identity, to the way they want to play. Again, it seems like England are trying to adapt the way they're playing, trying to be a bit more attack-minded with the likes of Marcus Smith uh, playing at 10. How do you expect Scotland to go this one? Do you think they're going to look to be on the front foot to kick off straight away?
0: Definitely. Um, I think England in in a lot of sports, they always underestimate Scotland. I mean, every football match it's oh we're gonna do them 5 6 nil Every rugby match, it's like, oh, we're gonna put 30-40 on Scotland. And they, they very rarely do, if ever. I think they had that one year back in 2014, I think it was, where they really hammered us, but the the, the gap between the two sides isn't there anymore. Um I mean, England have only beaten Scotland once in the last four encounters and i think probably for the last five six years every single calcutta cup game i've gone into it thinking england are going to win it and hoping that scotland might just be able to nick it but this year is probably the first time in well first time ever that i go into it thinking you know we should win this um i know it might rub some people up the wrong way but um and they're not the bookies favorite they're not a lot of people's favorite But we've been, we've been beaten them a lot recently we're at home we got a good start i think that our squad is really really strong uh england have got a lot of injuries i think they're more gelled together as a unit as well i think that i mean their backs are more skillful i mean arguably depending on who they pick we may have the heavier forwards as well um i mean there are some players that worry me a little bit obviously um sam simmons I, I watched him um, playing an extras defeat against Montpellier at the weekend, and pff, I, what was the stat I saw? He, he did. You might have to double check this, but did I read that he scored seventy-five tries in hundred yeah. appearances? <laughs> yeah, like I oh, saw right. that. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> And I think like, that that can't be right. Mm. Um, but yeah, so like mm. he. Hugely dangerous. Um, Mm. Marcus Smith is obviously on form. I don't think he's peaked yet. Um, England might find out that they like to to put the label on Finn Russell of being a maverick. I think Marcus Smith now is what Finn Russell was three or four years ago. Mm. They're the same type of player. They're on the same sort of track, same sort of trajectory. Obviously, Finn Russell is a little bit further on his career than Smith is. There are some differences, but they're they're very, very similar players. I think Farrell's injury for England may be a blessing in disguise. Um, I, I think England have better options than Farrell. Uh, I mean, I know he brings an intensity uh, to the training camp, which might be one of the main reasons he was there.
1: No, I agree. I think uh, Scotland have really developed, have really grown. They're now at a point where, I, to be honest, I think any of Wales, France... I maybe put Wales in there, but Wales, France, Ireland, England and Scotland. Is that everyone? Yeah,
0: it's, it's a 5 way yeah, 3 teams.
1: Yeah, five teams. One of those five teams could potentially go and win this competition. Um, obviously, Italy, probably not. Um, next game then is you head over to the Principality to face Wales. Uh, that is the following weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a quarter past two kickoff. Again, It's going to be an interesting game that one because Wales we travel over to Ireland first of all, which is a really tough start. You welcome England. Do you think the mindset would change a lot depending on the
0: results of the first game, or do you think the
1: same kind of play would be uh,
0: massively branded? I I really think that. Uh, I mean, if let's say Wales were to to beat Ireland and pull off, I'd probably. Sorry to say, a a shock result over in Dublin on day one, and um, England were to beat Scotland, even if it was just a narrow win. Scotland then go to Cardiff, a bit bruised, um, where Wales go up in high spirits, like right, come on boys, we're we're at this again, and I'd probably then expect Wales to go on and beat Scotland if Scotland start off by beating England again on the first, the opening game of the Six Nations. Wales lose to Ireland, Um, I would fully expect Scotland to go to Cardiff and win. Uh, And then, obviously, if both teams win, you're going to have a really exciting game. And um, if both teams lose, you're going to have a backs-to-the-wall type game, sort of similar to the one that they had in Murrayfield in 2017, um, where they both know that if they lose that game, their campaign would be over. Um, So going into it, it's hard to tell. It's huge. I mean, I'm going to be at Scotland's first three games, so, you know, I'm going to get to to see us get battered three times in a row, which I'm sure will be great. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping that they that we can pull it out, that this will that be our year. Surely it's got to come at some point.
1: <laughs> I think that Scotland-France game, that's your third game, could be one of the games of the tournament. Both teams love to throw the ball about those two back lines. Finn Russell, Untermach, DuPont, Ali Price, Duran van der Merwe, Damien Penneau. It's an insane list of players. Do you think that game could really be, I don't know, I feel like France are probably the pinnacle of attacking flowing rugby in the world at the minute. Um, Do you think that could be where Scotland really showcase what they're able to do?
0: well it is traditionally in the six nations um the scotland france game is usually the highest scoring fixture of all the games um i can't remember where i read that stat but usually that's the highest scoring game in the six nations scotland versus france both of them as you said it's probably because of the style of rugby they like to play they're both very attack-minded sides. they've both got some fantastic players with a lot of flair um in recent years, barring you know Scotland beating them in Paris, it's usually been the home team takes it. France usually win in Paris, and Scotland usually win in Edinburgh. So, I mean, I've got France them to win the Six Nations this year, but France or France, they could come fifth, yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say it there. um yeah. the, I mean, honestly, the the top anyone in the top five teams could win it. The mm. only thing. I, I feel pretty confident in it's on the last day Ireland's going to be one of the teams competing for the title. Yeah. Um I fully suspect Ireland to finish in the top two. Um who's gonna be playing them on the final day um on Super Saturday for maybe more than one team mm. um remains to be seen. But yeah, no, come back to your question, the, the Scotland France game, that's I mean it's about the flair. Um yeah. and look, we've we've had the the rub of the green against France the last couple of times we played them. Hopefully it continues, but who knows.
1: Next up then is two weeks after that, heading over to Italy to the Stadio Olimpico to take on mm-hmm. Italy. Italy, naturally, I think everyone is expecting them to finish bottom of the table. And yeah. um, I spoke to an England fan before and asked about how much rotation do you think there would be for that Italy game. Do you think that it depends on results, how much rotation we see? Or do you think the plan would be from the start of the Six Nations, regardless of results, we are going to rotate, we're going to give players an opportunity? How do you think Gregor would uh, approach this game?
0: It depends how the, the Six Nations have gone. Like, luckily, the um, bit of the game is just after a rest. So he might field a slightly weaker team. But look, if Italy are going to snatch a win against a team of the Six Nations, it's going to be because somebody didn't take them seriously. I mean, they might not be the complete package, but Italy have got some really, really good players. Um, Luca Biggi's fairly good. Garbisi's playing very well at the moment. Uh, Ioni's playing very well. Um, so they have got some good players. And um, I was saying this to a friend of mine that if... If Italy are gonna snatch a team, it's gonna be you know a team trying to rest a lot of good players, playing one too many youngsters, and they're gonna get caught off guard. Um so Italy will know that and they'll try to target every every single game because they they know that they can't go on.
1: The final day it is Island away at the Aviva, quarter to five, mm-hmm. kick off that one. That game could potentially, you know, there could be a lot on the line. Going into that game for both teams, um, really. Um, Ireland probably were the most impressive of the teams in the autumn, I think. You know, the way they destroyed Japan, they then obviously beat the All Blacks pretty comfortably. What kind of a challenge do you think they would pose?
0: Ireland seemed to have our number at the moment. Um, uh, there's been a couple of t- times where, on paper, I've thought, you know, maybe not last year, but some of the, the previous meetings where I thought, you know, scotland should really be winning this and ireland seemed to constantly beat us um they find they tend to find out what part of our game goes really well and dismantle it last year it was our lineouts um especially if you remember i think in Murrayfield, scotland struggled to win a single lineout the entire match Um, and they just couldn't get a foothold into the game uh ireland are going to be a very very tough team for everyone um to beat this year they are one of the teams that really could win it um i'd love to say that scotland i mean even if they don't win it i'd like to be there on super saturday where you know scotland's still in with a shout um of taking it. i'd love to see it um and look even if we if we do the same as last year we get three wins out of five i think ireland's one of the teams that scotland really need to beat this year to get the monkey off the shoulder um they really, really have to be Ireland to to you know to get rid of the hoodoo. They've done it with everyone else. They've not done it with Ireland yet.
1: Yeah. That'll be a fascinating game because Ireland obviously they changed their style of play in the autumn, I felt, went a lot more attacking, maybe a bit more similar to Scotland. Uh, just a couple more questions, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, what are your predictions for the Six Nations overall? How do you see the table? Where are you going to pour everyone at?
0: Everyone, so I have. <laughs> Do you want me to go from bottom to top or top to bottom? Yeah, go
1: bottom to top. Bottom so, well. Oh, yeah, think about it. Don't even
0: think about <laughs> it. <laughs> so we got. I we got Italy. Italy uh, is stone cold last. Um, I I struggle to see them getting a losing bonus point. Um, mm. of someone I'd I'd love to see it. I, I have a general rule amongst my friends that Italy has everyone's second favorite team. I mean, unless they're playing the team that you support, you go for Italy. Um so I will be cheering for Italy on every game bar of the Scotland game. Shocker. <laughs> Get the thumbnail right there. <laughs> Shock prediction, dances is Italy sixth. Um after that, and this is really hard to say, and you wouldn't think it, I'm gonna put last year champions in at fifth mm. place this year. Um I had them down fifth last year. Um mm. On paper, they they, they I, I just think the other teams are stronger. But mm-hmm. underestimate Wales at your own peril. Um this is the one that's probably going to upset a lot of people. In fourth place, I've gone for England. Ooh, okay. Um I think they're gonna do better than they did last year. Uh I think that just in recent years Scotland have had the better of them i don't see them beating france either and i struggle to see them to be ireland um in third place i put scotland in at third uh, i think we'll finish in the top half this year probably win another three games lose one or two it's i think scotland have an outside chance of winning it this year i mean having both france and england at home for second it's been really hard i i've gone for ireland mm-hmm. um it's just it's hard to look past France right now. The only thing that is going to I think that's going to stop France from winning the Six Nations is their own mentality, mm. um, and that's something that that no equation or any bookie can work mm. out what's sitting in a player's mind on any given day. If France turn up and play the way they did against the All Blacks in the autumn or they did against a lot of the other teams in the Six Nations last year, if they show up to their full potential, man for man, they're the strongest squad in Mm. the Six Nations. um, They should win it. So there we go. That's
1: our preview for Scotland done and dusted. Make sure if you've enjoyed to hit the like button, subscribe to the channel to keep you up to date with everything going on over the Six Nations. It's going to be a busy period. And make sure to check out my socials, all linked down below. We release breaking news on there all the time. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you've enjoyed and I'll see you soon.